and a one and a two and a one two three four hello to industry talk on house of strauss you of course have to understand have to realize that we are joined by the esteemed the inimitable ryan glassbeagle the new york post how you doing ryan man uh, we got a second adjective i did have a banger feature today you did i quite enjoyed it and i would like to talk about it later on uh but first i think we have to get into this whole mess this whole mess of the nets um and i'm intrigued i'm intrigued number one intrigued number one because it seems like you have some idea on how to solve it and considering that i can't possibly fathom how this mess could be cleaned up i am intrigued by that and uh also i had a banger feature ryan i me 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 i had a feature (laughs) about how this was covered or wasn't covered so much so uh what do you want to start with you want to start with the media angle or do you want to start with you uh bringing peace and comedy to the basketball universe (laughs) um i I want to get off my take on what um the nets should do so i we've we've really we've discussed this a few times so i don't want to go too much into all the details but um you know a couple years ago the packers faced the same situation with Rodgers. It's not, there's no Mm. perfect parallels in the world. Rodgers had been there a lot longer than Durant has been with the Nets, but in the similar sense, they are both players who, you know, haven't won quite as much as, uh, like they've won, but they have not won quite as much as may have been like, you know, expected of them earlier in, early in their careers. They both, um, are, Prickly pears is, is yeah. The... I'd say emotionally inconsistent. Yes. Um, they are very talented, like just otherworldly talented, and they're both signed for several years and want out, despite the fact that you know they signed a deal with the team. And I get it; teams pull this "well, business is business" thing all the time, but you know, the teams can't get anything close in return to what they're worth. And yeah. so it just, there's no, they, the the stars like don't have leverage to push their way out. If the, um, if team management or people who don't care about like, you know, disarray or bad stories written about them. And so what the Packers did though was, they brought Rodgers into the fold and made him feel valued, made him feel like his input mattered. Like they didn't give him the power to be GM, but they did let him bring his quarterback coach back. They give him, they talked to him in advance about what like roster decisions they're going to make in free agency and the draft and lay out their logic to him in private before they do it. And so the the Nets thing, it's complicated by Kyrie Irving. Mm. And I think that's really what like, – we're all left to guess what Durant actually wants. But it seems like, for whatever reason, he and Kyrie are kindred spirits. Like, Kyrie has a big – he may not have many people in his camp, but Kevin Durant is a pretty important person to have in his camp. And I, I think – if I'm reading, I may be reading it wrong, but I think Durant, like, really, he wants Kyrie to get this long-term deal, even though Kyrie is not showed up to work. 
And we can go through, you know, Kyrie's principled stance and whether it, like this vaccine does anything to protect him or whatever or not. But he did miss most of the season and the team didn't gel. And they got swept in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. But I think what the Nets need to do is they need to flat out tell Durant, we're not trading you. You could sit out if you want. Like, that we're, we we are not we can't get anything close in return. You are playing for us at least this whole year. Period. Yeah. End of story. So we want to work with you and make the best of this situation. You're not getting traded. Sorry. Yeah. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, they might be perfectly positioned to do this. This is not a team with a tremendous amount of cachet where everybody in town is enraged if they're not living up to expectations. Uh, this is not a Dallas Cowboys or a Los Angeles Lakers to use the actual correct sport. Uh, yeah. if, if it's a disaster, if it's a bit of a, a Vince Carter situation, shall we say, I don't know, whatever, I guess. I, I mean, well, hey, it's so side carry. It's like a citizen of the world. Like, uh, yeah. He, who cares if like Joe, Joe Sai, who is who, who is like made in a lab, uh, like an Alex Jones uh, paranoia fever dream? This man of no country at all, uh, totally, totally rootless, connected to nothing other than uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know what motivates Joe Sai. It's a very open question at this point. But yeah, maybe uh, for the sake of pride and for the sake of putting sake of putting one's foot down you could ride out a superstar being unhappy and maybe even do a reverse Vince Carter he has, what, which you four never years left on his contract like there's he has nothing he can do other than create these sham stories for them like the if you if you were if you're Joe Sai, like what does it matter it, it really doesn't. They, you're you're not going to get anything worthwhile really back for him. We've been over this before because any any really good package that you would trade for Durant is going to limit your chances of having him help you win a title. And then what's the point of it for you? Like yeah. he, KD has been to the finals once when he wasn't a Golden State Warrior. This isn't like. LeBron, who has won titles in three different cities and yeah. gotten to the finals four different, um, like if you count the first Cavs iteration, um, like four different times um, with different franchises. And so it, it's just, it's not the same. Plus he is 33. He's got injury risk. He, we don't know how good he's going to be in the back end of these deals that people are committing to. So maybe what the Nets could do is say, like, look, we'll give you a player option after 2024 or something. We're going to take away, we're, we'll give you some freedom on the back end, but you're coming back and playing for us now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's about what they can stomach. And if, like you said, you're a citizen of the world. Uh, you're not completely grounded in New York City and people don't care about the Brooklyn Nets. Then, yeah, the leverage kind of does shift back to them, depending on Joe Sy's personality. Um, and maybe he has 
taken himself to a point, and he's the the, the superstar who actually can't force his way out. And this they is met the, in the, London. Like, if you need like another example that this guy yeah. is not, um, you know, they could be wedded anywhere. to any place in particular. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, I mean, I see. I'm sure that there are some counter arguments for it, and you always have to. Do the people always say the thing of, well, will the next superstar sign there if they saw how badly you treated the current superstar? I I don't know. I don't know. It it seems to be a justification and a a rationalization for not doing the hard thing. Uh, It does seem like they should just try to mend fences. Let's say they know superstars want to go play for the Nets. So I can just like sell the team just like Mikhail Prokhorov did for over $2 billion is in New York City. And there's only 30 of these like precious piece of art NBA franchises. And so like, it just, it's, I don't know. I don't think that Durant really has actually any leverage here. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the CCP is literally demanding and dictating that the Brooklyn Nets must make the playoffs as part of, I don't know, whatever condition. I, I'm not sure what leverage that he can exert on Josiah. Although I will say Josiah is a little bit public, tweeting a little bit, you know, not exactly uh, a shrinking violent, this Josiah. He might. He might want to be back in the game. He might be. Uh, he, he he might have some Mark Cuban in him. You know, maybe so it's a possibility. He, I mean, I just I wouldn't kowtow to him though because this is the setup he wanted. He wanted yeah. Steve Nash from their relationship <laughs> together in Golden State. It wasn't a shotgun marriage or like they no. already threw. Like there was a very good coach. Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, who was overachieving and created a good culture that was a big part of the reason that Durant wanted to go there. Sean Marks built that team of ancillary players. It wasn't his decision to bring like DeAndre Jordan in, you know? And by the way, by the Jared way. Allen. Steve Nash, very much on the periphery of that Warriors operation. And the only article I can remember where he was a presence was an excellent Zach Lowe article on Kevin Durant, where Steve Nash was saying, yeah, this guy was miserable after winning the championship and not getting the credit that he thought he would get. And just kind of dishing on how depressive KD was, which was a little shocking to me. And I guess it didn't offend Durant, but it it did sort of presage. I guess it was a little indicator that everybody has gone down a road, like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, where the two leads both know exactly where this is headed and know that they're going to be on the journey towards a painful breakup and they take a breath and they just do it anyway. And that's what, what that's what we're Sir, seeing play what out. Does, like, so Durant doesn't want Marks and Nash together, which, yeah. so it's like, okay, fine. Which one doesn't he want and who does he want and what can the Nets even do about their roster? Like, it's just, None of it. What? What? Like? What does Durant want other than trade me to Phoenix, where I have the best chance to beat the Warriors? I mean, I knowing Kevin a little bit, and I don't know him the best, obviously. Um, I would imagine that his critiques of the people around him are actually fairly sharp and well observed. 
he is somebody I always refer to Tiger King as the great document of our times because all those zookeepers, those crazy zookeepers, uh, have no self-awareness but exquisite insights into their faults, into the faults of their uh, enemies. And uh, I, I would imagine that if he sat you down, he would actually give you a very good explanation for why those two can't cut it. And it would be pretty compelling. I would why not hasn't be that explanation them. made it into the press of what he does want and why? Well, is, um, just, this is rumors, wait, rumors, a- rumors. Don't don't aggregate it. But I'm not sure he wanted this out there. You know, sometimes reporters report, man. You know, Shams oh, might have. You know, um, I so I I I didn't see the original um, video of this, but I saw. I, I should have gone and looked it up, but I didn't. I saw someone saying that Scoop B, who is, um, you know, he's NBA insider for like the Bowie's RSNs. Um, I'm in. You know, I'm in. I, I believe it. Whatever is going to come next, I'm just in. I'm, I'm, no, I'm there's certain on. people who are, when they report on a certain subject, um, like he, he's been plugged into the Kyrie camp. Yeah, And so I saw someone tweet that he said that this is a scheme to get Rich Kwyman into the <laughs> Nets organization. I mean, <laughs> what a come up for Rasputin that would be. Uh, that is. <laughs> can I, let me look this up and see if I can find it. Um, but because... Um, okay. Scoop B quant. All right. So this is, um, someone said, someone quoting him and it has a lot of retweets. It says, he said on Spotify live, I believe Kevin Durant is trying to create a CEO takeover where Rich Kleiman is elevated to a position of power inside the Brooklyn Nets front office. Also said he could see Sean Marks moved into a lower position in the Nets organization. Oh my, please, please make it happen. Just why not? Why, why not? Just make this as absurd as it could possibly be. The problem is I think that they've been, I almost suspect they could have gotten such an arrangement had they actually planned to do it earlier on when Joe Sy was more pliable. Now I would have to think that they missed their moment. Um, for pulling off such a such a coup, uh, if that is yeah, what that's the trying thing to is, do. hey hey Durant, you guys got swept in the first round, and yeah, I get it. Ben Simmons wasn't there. Harden forced his way out. Which, by the way, you could have done a better job of managing that Harden relationship. <laughs> you brought him there in the first place, and you played with him before. Maybe you should have like been more attuned to his feelings because. Having him on that team would have been better than having the question mark that was Ben Simmons. And we frankly saw why very quickly. And so, like, I I don't know what he, like, really wants here. I just love that this team exists. I just, they just exist to give content. They have no fans. Well, I shouldn't (laughs) say that. They have a few fans. But not many fans. And... They can just power uh, the various sports talk shows like 
just as this emergency backup generator, even in the dead parts of the seasons. I mean, or not the gr- power them. Segue. Well, this is the segue, segue, segue. Now, is it not? I mean, I look. I wrote my I wrote my article. Um, yes, it did a nice little number for me, uh, despite not a lot of aggregation out there, uh, which I think is part of. Why it well, I well, think everybody, other I saw other stories, same thing. Like a, it was widely observed. Mm. So, um, I almost think that it's underrated that this happened. I know not everybody's a media geek, but I know people were going to ESPN when news broke from Shams that Joe Sy, Kevin Durant had a tête-à-tête. Kevin Durant demanded that Sean Marks and Steve Nash, GM and coach, be fired. Um, pretty big story, pretty shocking story. I, I didn't want to say it in the article because you always forget when you think back to history. I can't remember a superstar demanding both the heads of the GM and coach. I can't stuff. remember demanding the head of the GM period. Yeah. That's the GM. That, yeah. That's a new one. Uh, so kind of a shocker, uh, and an especially dead time in the sports calendar. Now I have a little bit of insight. Into yeah, how so the you think. Works. Wait, Ethan, you think this is a bigger story in mid-August uh-huh. than the contenders in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> that was a great segment. They needed to put out that segment. They needed that Eastern Conference pre- uh, preview out there. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make this clear. Everybody gets it. I have not gotten much pushback from anybody on this. But I, my experience from having been a beat writer at ESPN um, it is a very present focused place. Uh, people are standing on your neck. The news desk is not fun to deal with. And I'm not criticizing them. I think it's a very hard job, but they they are mean and they will ream you out if you don't give them their fucking news story when something happened uh, at a practice you were at. So it, it adds to the paranoia of the job for them to not have a story up on this. For over five hours to not have a tweet for six hours when it's clearly the biggest NBA news story of the month. That's an eternity. You got to turn that shit around in 20 minutes. At least that's what it was like when I was there. Um, they I have just delivered pieces of devil's advocate. But when, when Ooh, you, when you I want to hear this. Devil. And it's a question to... of devil's advocate. It's not. It's so you've worked there, but yes. um, go yeah. ahead. Finish up. Yeah, well, I, I worked there and I. I know some people who work there and uh, some people were, were going, what the hell, what the hell is happening? This has gotten absurd. Uh, how are we not, how are we not talking about this? How am I watching sports center right now? Sports center is acting like this isn't happening. So, um, so yeah, so I think we're done with the expository. Basically they, they took forever. They took uh, roughly six hours and then they almost buried the story when they finally talked about it. because of Woj's relationship with Sean Marks. And I that would, the story looked bad, made made marks look bad. That's I your hypothesis. To, I would have to think it's a factor, is what I would say. I would have to, I would have to guess it played into it. Now, here's what I don't have: I can't tell you that Woj dictated it specifically. Um, there is this thing that has happened behind the scenes there, where they get reamed out, they get yelled at for stepping on certain sources, and then they learn don't do that. For all I know, I, I haven't heard much from Woj. He might be on vacation. You know, what if he put his phone, uh, he, he left his phone at home. And this is a circumstance where he would quite logically say, everybody, this is a big story. I know I got that relationship with Sean. 
but you got to just, you got to post something on it, you know, but if he's not there to make that call and everybody's scared because they get yelled at, then again, these are hypotheticals. I'm yeah. That, that was going to be my thing. first um, devil's advocate question is it's August 25% of the office is probably like on vacation or on, you know, a state, like some type of reduced workload because these really are the dog days of the calendar. ESPN's a place goes very hard all year. This is like really, you know, football season is a big gauntlet. And then that goes straight into like the NBA um, kind of stretch. Then like an endless playoffs, free agency draft. And like with the NFL draft in the middle there, like August is the time where a quarter to a third of people at that company are just on break. Like Stephen yeah, A has yeah. been on break. But, but for here's how, but here's how it works. There's always a news desk and the news desk needs their goddamn news. And if Woj isn't there or if the second guy isn't there and the third guy, they just go down the list. Somebody, somebody has to pitch in and it, maybe they're a minor writer. Maybe they're a beat writer. Maybe they're just somebody but somebody's got to pitch in and do it. But the, the topic was also being avoided on the airwaves for hours. So that, but well. here's the second th- devil's advocate. I don't yeah. remember what story it was. I think it was something as like weighty as a death or something. But like for a long time, like, you know, ESPN would be slower to breaking news than the internet by a lot. And w- the thing I would always hear is, yeah, this is out there. But we're ESPN. We can't just aggregate something if we don't know it's true. Now, look, Shams isn't going to get that wrong. Like the way it was just so nailed down that as like a a professional, I I write my own, I break news, I write features and I aggregate. And I've been. When you're uh, throwing a London at us, when you're giving us a London, it's probably true. Yeah, I've been an aggregator for, I don't know, a decade or whatever. And um, like when you like, you know, as an, there are certain things as an aggregator that you just absolutely know have to be true, like without confirming it from a second source. And this is one of them. But I would say, what if ESPN, through their own reporting, it took this long it took it. They weren't able to confirm the story themselves. They couldn't get someone close enough to it because it, it only involves two people, um, which is like. Durant I just. I don't. I mean, I just don't even understand why they would need to. You can do what they eventually did. Because here's the flaw in the argument that I think you're making. It's a creative argument. Is that. Six hours later, they go, uh, yeah, you know, Shams uh, reports from The Athletic that this happened. And they added some sort of tepid and and we confirm or blah, 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 blah. But they just, you know, they basically did the thing of the Shams report, yada, yada, yada. I mean, and they, yeah, they had to wait until Cy tweeted. Cy tweeted is all of a sudden he's basically tacitly confirming that the story happened by giving um Marx and Nash the what's always referred to as the dreaded vote of confidence yeah well it's an uncomfortable situation so there there is some nuance here Woj has power within ESPN 
but it is not complete. And the people who are the real big shots on TV can call their own shots, right? Right. Like if if this broke before first take, Stephen A could say, we're talking about this. Go fuck yourself. That's exactly what I'm saying. And the PTI guys were on vacation. Yeah, SVP, PTI, Around the Horn, and First Take, um, they can go around, like, you know, any, like, alleged Woj embargo or whatever. Exactly. They would have just talked about it. But everybody else, they're in these positions. And now, I mean, hey, this guy is very close to the main guy of the NBA section who has... Uh, dictatorial power, um, very tight with them, and this is uh, this is now on the floor as a topic. I mean, it, it is conceivable. I mean, are you comfortable, perhaps, if you're in the opinion business and you're on the airwaves of saying maybe they should fire Sean Marks? Is that somewhere you want to go? Um, I'm not certain that's somewhere that you want to go. So, yeah, it's an uncomfortable it's an uncomfortable subject right there. Um, I think it's pretty Or is there such an idea that Durant is such a brat for this because this was the situation he chose. He went there because of the culture and roster Mark's built. He brought Nash in. He wanted to partner with Kyrie, whose absence and, like, you know, seeming indifference to playing and winning drove Harden away. Like... I, it's just, I'm at some point you have like the onus falls on you, Kevin Durant. I mean, I would agree, but the whole thing is everybody, everybody did not let the better angels of their nature guide them. I mean, Sean Marks was all about, I I hear good things about him. I should say a smart guy, nice guy, um, but all about culture and everybody threw it out the window for the talent. Everybody made this Faustian bargain. Everybody involved in the Nets disaster made a Faustian bargain um, and didn't just uh, try to be mm, whatever the opposite of Penny. What is it? Penny wise, pound foolish. They were like Penny wise, pound foolish. Uh, Everybody involved in it. And it's just such a such a crazy arc. And everybody is in this undignified situation that you feel like they shouldn't be in. Steve Nash, for instance. I mean, do you need is the money worth this? Is it? I, mean, I guess he could tell us, but I, I don't know. Well, he... he'd like to get fired and get paid and not have to work rather than, you know, I can't quit. You'll fire me. Yeah. Um, the whole thing, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, back to the ESPN thing. I think it's fairly obvious why what happened happened. And it was uh, pretty, I, I mean, it's, it's the inversion of it that's so mind boggling that, the idea is to have sources so you can get the big story. The idea isn't to obscure the big story to keep making your sources happy. It just seems, as I wrote, that there I, is... Oh, I, I had one more devil's advocate. Thing. Okay, okay. Let's hear Steel so man this. You talked in your piece about how Woj's like constituency, so to speak, is the older um, GMs, whereas Shams is in with the players. Um, This is a generality. Like, you know, Woj probably is in with some players and Shams is probably in with some GMs. You know, Shams gets everything out of the Mavericks organization, for example. I would Um, argue that Shams has a higher percentage of GMs than Woj has of players, but continue. Yeah. um, But still, the general breakdowns are those. Um, 
it's not just the GMs that Woj has, it's the owners and the, the league office. Yeah. And ESPN is the most is the biggest league partner by you know, obviously TNT's inside the NBA is better than ESPN studio content, but ESPN is the finals and the draft and NBA today airing every day. What if like just the the um the NBA coverage going through Woj and like his you know stylistic tendencies like granted in this case you could say a source is being like needlessly protected but what if in the macro bigger picture this is like the relationship in terms of like the news flow that the central league wants and is comfortable with and so it's um it's really like these kind of like big factors like Pitaro Silver, Woj, all like, you know, guiding ESPN's coverage in the way that creates the least friction between ESPN and the league. So he's, this is a long game that we can't see. This is like that first season of Westworld where there's some, there's some, yeah, like the, the NBA would rather it not come out um, that a star player wants the GM and the coach fired or whatever. I don't, I'm not saying like Woj is suppressing that, but I like, you know, just ESPN's coverage is they, they, they're sensitive to what their partners, like how they want this stuff, um, you know, distributed, amplified, whatever. I'm, hey, it's an interesting theory, and I think it's one that you have to consider just because I don't I don't like a lot of how people dismiss uh, public figures they've got an issue with just wholly and completely. And if they don't like what they are politically or don't like something about them, it becomes how they're all trash. I don't think that's a mature perspective. And I think when we're talking about Nadrian Wojnarowski, this is somebody, somebody who's had an incredible amount of success. So I think that... One should think, okay, what am I not considering here? Why would such a thing happen? Is there a broader game that's being played? I guess I would say if it is if it is being played, it's being played badly. You can't fuck up the biggest trade of the season and try to step on it and be remembered for that. And you can't just go radio silent on the biggest story of the offseason. Not if you're a cable sports company. I mean, you can in the sense that you've got a monopoly on sports rights, so I guess you're going to be fine. But if you wanted to be entertained about Kevin Durant and that whole mess that day, you're watching Colin. You're watching, uh, you know, speak for yourself. You're watching Fox because they threw parades about it. They talked about it up and down that day. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's working out. And I'm not well, sure. Well, you know, Fox made a business decision we don't care about news gathering and news breaking. Like we just want strong opinions and sports champions. That's their brand. Yeah. Well, that's a good brand and that's smart. And I think ESPN maybe should have done something. I mean, it is a hypothetical. We threw it out there. If what if ESPN did no news breaking? I mean, would it impact them at all in the numbers? Would people not watch as much? If it was just entertaining commentary, I mean, I know it's it's hard to let go of that territory that you've invested so much time and energy in. But I, I, 
I, I, again, it's a hypothetical, but I kind of feel like just as many people, if not more, would watch and would be into it. It almost seems like because there's this embedded growth principle and companies feel that they've got to dominate every sector or will come back to haunt them, that they've been trying to win a game that they never needed to win. And now it's starting to eat into what they do on a fundamental level. They don't like crediting other organizations on that bottom line ticker or in Chirons on their studio programming. We can argue all day and night about whether that's stupid or not, but that the it it pisses them off to have to say, as first reported by The Athletic or New York Post or Yahoo or whoever else. And so um, it's an intangible value to them to say that we have the biggest newsbreakers in baseball, football, basketball, college sports, etc. Like, and I, I don't, you know, we just go, we can go back and forth and say the why is dumb, but that's the what. Yeah, it is the what, and the origins of Woj there. That's part of that what, where John Skipper felt humiliated by how Woj was tweeting out the draft picks before anybody else could say him. And he was disrupting the broadcast, um, ruining the, spoiling the NBA draft, uh, which if Adam Silver was a little bit more like Dana White, I feel like he would have gone to war over that to maintain the the, the draft and to punish any journalist. Well, that's what the info. NFL did. The NFL just stopped it, basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, a, but that, the league. NFL was able to stop it because all of the biggest NFL reporters were um, working with league partners, but the NBA was powerless to stop it because Yahoo was not a league partner. Yeah. And then it continued after they brought the Yahoo guy into the tent. Um, you know, Patrick's in the queue. I'm curious if uh, Patrick has a question. You, you was in before. Patrick? <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. Um, I actually have been waiting a couple of weeks to ask this. I don't know if this is perfectly connected. So if you want to bounce off it, you I can. I mean, I'm, I'm very intrigued now. It was a good, <laughs> it's a good tease for a question. I'm so a few weeks ago, a few call-ins ago, this question was mostly for Ryan. Ryan, as an aside, made a comment that if he could buy stock into one media company, it may not have been this strident, but um, Daily Wire would have been the company he would put um, dollars into. And Still remains true. So, perfect. Okay, so given that, how far do you think they could go into sports, given that they would even have less huh. social pressures than even Fox? Is it possible at all or too toxic? Fascinating uh, question. Well, you know. God damn, one second. One second. That's a great goddamn question, Patrick. That's, that's a really <laughs> good question. Thank you. I just wanted to pause to appreciate that, and now we'll get Ryan's take. <laughs> it's driving me crazy that I can't remember the guy's name, but they they so there was this um, SEC podcaster for, for Colin Cowherd's Volume Network that they poached, and they gave him what was just like rumored to be a like very very like big deal, and. The thing about um, Daily Wire is anything that they want to invest in, they can make a good ROI on because they, for whatever reason, are Facebook wizards. It might 
be as simple as like Ben Shapiro and Mark Zuckerberg have like a good relationship (laughs) and therefore the spigots get directed at them or they might just like be one step ahead of Facebook's machines and always able to anticipate what is going to get rewarded by their algorithm and tailor what they do accordingly, or maybe they're cheating with bots. I don't know what it is, but or they're they're just a bunch of conservatives on Facebook. I mean, that's the (laughs) prosaic theory that I'm throwing out there. Yeah. So they're able to, um, to just drive an enormous amount of, Facebook and uh, to a lesser extent, YouTube engagement on anything that they choose. And even if they do make a mistake and hire somebody who isn't as engaging, they're just making they, they they're making so much money elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that their movie studio is going to be a player. And mm. I, I just love like they, they're just run by, creative people like you know harry's razor pulled advertising from them and then they turn it into a campaign where they're marketing their own razor blades like i like i I don't really go to and gravitate towards daily wire content but i admire people who just like don't let the world tell them what to do and they're definitely thinkers and like well, doers and that's they were the what is a woman doc that's theirs yeah yes yeah and i think in order to watch that documentary i think you've got to subscribe to them and that was one of these uh samazat uh samazat i can never pronounce that i always spell it uh, but this contraband sort of thing where so many people were interested in seeing that documentary but reviewers at the major publications they didn't even pan it. They were just terrified to even review it. So it became this this thing that people would secretly watch and pay for. And I don't know if they can just create more content like that. Now, for the sports thing, though, I don't they really can. see it. I don't really see it with them in sports. I, I don't the, – the, the conservative relationship with sports right now, I almost feel like it's it, – it, it's just – a little too at cross purposes. Um, and uh, there, there's something to the whole thing about how the overall cultural tenor of ESPN and of the sports leagues themselves are advocating messages that conservatives hate. And so I don't know in that circumstance if there's a, a large room to do. You, you've got to outkick the coverage doing something like it. But I don't yeah. know if there's just a huge space for people who love following the sports but absolutely despise the uh, the culture around those sports. Um, and uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm doing something a little. They could make their own thing. league and something, though. Yeah. Okay, but that but then you like live golf. I mean, that's going pretty big. Oh my God, Patrick's a genius. Because I've been trying to connect these dots. I've been trying. I've been wondering what's going on here. Because I noticed that Tucker Carlson's show was going to the Trump, whatever the hell it's called, where they were doing the live golf tournament. Yeah, Clay was there as well. He played in the Pro-Am. Yeah, so Clay Travis is there. Tucker Carlson is there. And he was interviewing, uh, he interviewed Greg Norman and Bryson DeChambeau. I'm watching this all take place and I'm going, what's going on here? Like, why is conservative world right now 
interested in live golf, which is backed by Saudi Arabia. I mean, none of that. Something is happening. It was very similar to the feeling I got when um, Barstool started uh, making a connection with the conservative world uh, and, and going that direction. That something odd is happening. And yeah, I think you might have answered the question because I'm thinking, I'm going like, what, what are they going to do in sports? Like the sports have cultures that are uh, that what they're not into. And the thing to do would be to just put down, maybe turn off the TV if you hate it so much, um, which a lot of them have done. But yeah. golf isn't really like that. And now they're doing this whole thing that they're going to control the messaging of. Is there going to be a right wing American Saudi alliance in a novelty golf league? Or uh, I, I was kind of. Well, I mean, it's that possible that they it, I mean, it, it's possible that the live people are trying to get to um, like talents that are close with the Murdoch's. And mm. I want to be careful because I work for the Murdochs too. Yeah. But um, uh, it, I don't know. I well, mean, I think you can get away with it if you just start uh, doing it with uh, succession characters and use the Roys as a proxy, and uh, <laughs> that way you can obscure uh, you can obscure your meaning right here. There's something going on, and not to go all windhorse with it, but like there, there's something going on with Live Golf and conservative media and it will reveal itself at a certain point and it is inobvious at the moment but and I, yeah well I it might just point. be that they're trying to get um a rights deal with fox because fox is not a partner of the pga tour whereas um espn i believe i'm not sure if they are but i know cbs nbc um and like Warner Media Discovery internationally are. And so, like, there's not that many places Liv could go. And so, you know, Fox is, if they would put it on, is an obvious one of where Liv would want to try to get to. I mean, that I don't, I, that's probably what's happening, but I want to believe there's something more interesting happening. <laughs> <laughs> want to believe i want to believe there's something highly intriguing going on patrick you were trying to say something i was just i'll jump off after this thanks for the discussion guys i just i think where i was going is to draw live golf as analogy because you could do it on the flip side that china could offer a ton of money for like basketball that's going too far Mm. but then to go back to it i was just wondering you know baseball is kind of being dropped by espn could daily wire become so profitable and just put so much money to a league like that. I mean, I think that's absolute for them. Best case, case scenario. Well, I, ESPN didn't drop MLB. They just, okay. um, they re, yeah. um, My bad. They, they kind of did a, a refresh of the relationship where they got rid of these like weekday regular season games that nobody right. was like watching <laughs> on their air and added postseason games that a lot of people at once watch yeah i don't there's something to the force field of the conservative media that and conservatism like conservatism is not considered as respectable and there are probably many essays and books that could be written about why and people have their various theories but it just seems like 
they could not do it. It's just a bridge too far. And it wouldn't even be for financial reasons. It would just be, there would be an inability to do it for, for social reasons. They could create some sports league and get people into it. I think Mm. maybe if they like, if, if they get, if they become like the, um, the primary rights holders of like ultimate Frisbee or something like some sport that's actually like really fun to watch, but you can't find it anywhere on TV. It could work. They like Barstool. I don't know if they're doing it or not, but like they got frozen out of some like women's hockey tournament. And Erica Nardini talked about them starting their own professional women's hockey league. And that's actually something that could be like moderately successful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great question. I think it's a great hypothetical and it's the type of question that I don't think anybody else would really <laughs> talk about. So that's where we, that's where we come in. I think people would be too <laughs> enraged or I, I don't even know what, uh, to even consider, <laughs> consider such possibilities, but thank you so much, Patrick. Let's, uh, yep. Thanks guys. Let's kick Patrick out of here. Patrick with his great question. Um, I'm gonna be thinking about that one. Uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. You had a great. Uh, you had a great article. This is becoming a thing of portraying the the misery, Ryan, of the newsbreaker. Uh, it, it's not misery though, because they love no. This it was a little. What they want. This was wholesome. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. They love it. This is what they want. It's like the uh, Dan Lebetard profile of Jason Taylor, where he's nearly getting his leg amputated, and it's uh, I would do it all again. Uh, but this one was more wholesome. Uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, where it just seemed like his wife was highly incorporated into his insane lifestyle as a lead NFL newsbreaker. Um, so job well done. I very much enjoyed the article. Uh, is there anything, any additional points you would like to make? Yeah. So I thought it was like really interesting how she has like been um, very helpful in guiding his career. So first of all, she's fine with him like leaving dinner and getting on the phone and just not coming back for two hours. She totally understands like the rigors of this job of being like a high end newsbreaker and where she draws the line is scrolling through Twitter because if he sees it on Twitter, then he's already been beaten. Like if the mm-hmm. goal is to be first, then like get your ass on the phone, talk to who you need to. But when you're not on the phone, you have to be like present with the family. And yeah. um, she also, so his like, he, he his career started covering Mississippi state football in Starkville and that's where the two of them met. She's she went there and is from there. Yeah. And the a job came open at the Birmingham News covering Alabama in those years where they were like kind of, you know, they weren't terrible. I went and looked at like their record. Um they'd been like 7 and 6 and they'd actually been like 10 and 2 the year before, but they got rid of Mike Shula and brought in Nick Saban. And he had taken this Alabama job before it was like an idea that Saban was going to like leave the Dolphins for them. And so the job came open. He's like, I don't know if I want it. It's kind of 
a lateral move. And she is someone who grew up in SEC country. She loves Mississippi State, but she's like, no. She basically no. said a, a northern Jew like her husband didn't, you know, didn't understand the implications of, of what was happening in, in SEC country, which got a chuckle out of me. Yeah, she's like, um, Mississippi State, nobody cares about. Alabama, people care about. And so that got him to like take this job and then Saban goes there and he was then able to like parlay that into a Patriots beat writer job because he convinced the Boston Herald that covering Saban was like covering an NFL team. And then from there he got to NFL network. And so I thought it was like really neat kind of how, supportive she was about this path not just emotionally but also intellectually and I didn't go in knowing very much about them I just wanted to know what it's like to kind of be a wife of one of these people who is permanently on call for work yeah it was fascinating and maybe the maybe this topic is is niche for us maybe we're navel gazing I don't think it is so because people people think about this stuff. So when I when we were kids, um, the people I most wanted to be were like Mike and the Mad Dog, or then later Wilbon and Kornheiser. And right now, these insiders are bigger stars. No, no, I I was saying navel 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 gaze ish in that I'm looking at it from the perspective of. Uh, how my own wife handles this and you're probably looking at it from the perspective of how your wife handles this particular business. Uh, she and, wouldn't know that more people care about Alabama than Mississippi state. I can no. tell you that. No, I, I don't think that she would. I don't think my wife could name a single sec team. Um, but uh, my, obviously she's very supportive and I love her, but she's just not, she's not into the game. Like this guy's wife is, which Everybody has a different dynamic. So that's what I just found fascinating. It was just oh, so One so thing strange. from the cutting yeah. room floor along those lines is she's the barometer. I, did, I didn't put this in the piece because I was long enough, but um, she, she's the barometer for whether um, he should be mad that he got beaten by Schefter on a scoop. So that if it's like – Basically, so she's like, you know, she's a football fan, but she's not a super fan. So if it's like Rappaport got the Baker Mayfield trade, he beat Schefter on that one. But if he had lost that one, she would have um, told him it was like, okay to be mad. But if it's a player that she's never heard of, she's basically like, look, I've never heard of this guy Almost mm. nobody has ever heard of this guy. Like, carry on with your day and yeah. get the next scoop. Yeah. Um, I mean, my wife does have certain instincts about the business though. It's odd. It's just, again, I keep using the word orthogonal, but it's, there's an, there's a perceptiveness that can come out of not drowning in information. And I think that's a good example that you're naming. And that sometimes, uh, comes to play because we do, we do talk about these things with our wives and work decisions and what to do. And she thought moving the sub stack was the right idea, even though it was a crazy, weird risk. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say the one year anniversary is coming up soon uh, and it has worked out. 
So uh, getting the big things right. It's it's more than worked out, Mr. Number One Sports Writer (laughs) on all of Substack. The millions and millions. (laughs) I've got a whole. I've got to write my anniversary post, and I've got to figure out. I've got to figure out how I'm gonna explain why I feel like I have the ideal audience in terms of numbers. But I will feel really bad if it if it doesn't keep growing. It's it's this strange paradox in my mind where I feel like I have the ideal amount of people. I don't want more people, except I do want more people. I just don't want like a you know. I just want to grow in a nice, sustainable way. That's that's the way I feel about it. But right now, it, it feels kind of good to be a mom and pop shop. People email me. I email them back. Pop and I, pop, pop and yeah, pop and pop shop. Unless I incorporate my wife in the little thing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it feels manageable, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but at the same time, I do, I do want it to continue to, uh, continue to grow. And, uh, uh, it's just, I guess that's just part of, uh, part of the whole thing. I want people to, all I want, Ryan, is for people to think, know that I'm doing well. It's total vanity, right? I want people to know. Well, you also want to save for retirement and then not have to work anymore. I never think about that. I, I, I never think about stopping or giving the whole thing up. And, uh, it was funny. I don't know if this made the podcast, uh, or if it got cut, but I, I was talking with Freddie DeBoer and Jesse single, uh, Substack superstars in the political space. And I was asking them if they, if they ever worried about kind of losing their ability to write or how long they went. And they, both of them were of the opinion that if you gave me a bunch of money, I would just stop today. I, I would just not do this anymore. And that's, I I would, I would still do it, but I would really pick my spots. I was a little surprised that they said that, especially DeBoer, because he writes, uh, almost just pathologically. He's just, he, he writes so much that I, I just figured that this was something that they almost needed to do, but I don't feel that way right now. I feel like I could be happy if I didn't, if I couldn't do it because I had that year long sabbatical, um, where I wasn't allowed to work really. And I, I, I don't think it was the best, but it wasn't the worst, but I, I really enjoy, I just enjoy doing this stuff and, and being part of these conversations and making any form of content that is not tweeting. That is what I enjoy, <laughs> Ryan. That is what I am into. Uh, uh, is, is there anything we should have, uh, anything we should have addressed? I, I really, or... well, I want to discuss this WNBA charter stuff. Oh, not the uh, WNBA. We always return to the WNBA somehow. Why is the WNBA our lodestar? We're going to go, I mean, this is going to be the big it's drop It's me off jamming it in. It's not ours. <laughs> it's me this time. Well, you are, you are a father of daughters. So it is, you know, it, 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 they, they could potentially make the league, you know? It's a different consideration that, that you got that I got. Uh, Frankie, I don't think so. Effie, maybe. Um, <laughs> You're already scouting this. Uh, but, okay, so... They got the LA Sparks got stuck in the airport. Like a flight got delayed, 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 then canceled late at night. And I guess there weren't any hotel rooms in the whole, there weren't enough hotel rooms in the whole city where they were. Um, So half of them had to stay in the airport. I'd like to fact check that. Mm -hmm. Um, But not that like, you know, they would want to, but I, I could also, so I, 
the two things we've talked before about how the WNBA is 25 years old and they should be making more money, but um, they haven't been marketed very well. The um, I know the NWSL had this like crypto thing blow up in their face, but they also just had um, a sale of part of like the New York team at a valuation of $40 million. Three years ago, Joe Sy bought the like Liberty, the New York Liberty and the WNBA for like under $15 million. And mm. so is that, or is that at most under 20? And the, so I, I think like that the owners should have been able to figure out how to make more money from this property by now so that they can fly charter without like half of the teams in the league crying poverty about it. But then the other thing is they're like, you know, the players, the, the, they, she said, Nika, um, I got that name wrong. I feel terrible. I, I would rather um, be very impressed just because I'm not sure. And I, you said it. You said it in such a way that it felt like you were pulling it out of your brain. So I just like, oh, it was a pretty good job by Ryan is what I assumed. Ogumake, I think, is how it's pronounced. Because I'm thinking back of all the times they've um, introduced Shanae on ESPN. And mm-hmm. the so she's saying the players deserve better than this. Well, you know who else deserves better than this? Everybody. We've mm. all been suffering flight delays in this country <laughs> since Memorial Day. I've it's turned had, into an attack on Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> I've had a, a trip totally derailed that I had to switch airlines because I wouldn't let the world tell me what to do. Last weekend, I had three different people from three different parts of the country all have their travel plans canceled. My friend was bringing his nine-month-old out to the Midwest to meet all of his friends and family, and the airlines just totally didn't get him to where they said they were going to. Everybody is suffering this. It's not just WNBA players who are suffering travel delays, and they don't care about anybody other than themselves in it. They should use this platform Mm. to to advocate for everybody's flights to be executed better because it's now we're – we're it's been a the, quarter of the year. Oh, of this this is this is a great insight into why their messaging is so anti-charismatic because so much of it, whether it's Griner or, or now this situation, is fueled by this sense of being slighted and not being treated like the superstar you believe yourself to be. So it's this message of why am I having to be like the rabble? Why am I having to be like the common person? Why am I having to fly? in airports like these fans do that's not the most uh let's say i don't know like message yeah it's not the most likable of messages and they wouldn't think to you're completely right they should use this as some sort of hey we need to improve this for everybody and we know get uh, all the pilots back to work (laughs) but they would never do it and The whole thing is fueled by this odd quirk of human behavior, which is when you almost indulge people, um, they end up resenting you. And the NBA indulging the WNBA and kind of propping it up as this Potemkin village has not resulted in gratitude. It has resulted in the opposite. And 
maybe if this never happened and they weren't indulged in that way, they would have done whatever was necessary to make a league work and just popular enough if they were out on their own. Instead, uh, because they have the NBA lifeline, but they aren't what they want to be, um, there is this kind of lashing out that I don't think you can just say is these two instances that I'm naming. I'm not saying that Brittany Griner was lashing out. I'm saying some of the other players um, vis-a-vis the, the situation. But um, this is just a lot of what you hear. And the more you hear, the less people are interested, I think. I do think it matters materially that whenever you're hearing about the WNBA, it's often a player complaining about something. Yeah, um, I watched two WNBA games on Saturday because I bet on them. And... Oh, my it's just It's so degenerate. Oh, my God. Um, anyway. I, it was good value lines. Should um, we? Should by the way, before the midterms, should we try to come up with some bets, or is that like too? Do people get their wires crossed too much with with the politics, and they they can't think that way when it comes to the gambling. But anyway, I mean, I'll I'll figure if I'll see lines if when they start to merge and find what Dobbs a, the Dobbs effect for the Democrats. It's it's making some noise. It's making some noise. Anyway, you were saying. So, um, two, a few observations from these games. First of all, the lower bowls in Chicago, which are defending champs. And so, and it's a Sunday, so you can see why their lower bowl is full. But the Minnesota Lynx were like 12 and 20, and their lower bowl was totally full. And so there are people going to these games, which might surprise, um, some people who totally ignore the sport. But, on ABC during the Chicago Sky game, it's an ABC doubleheader of the WNBA, and they were interviewing a player. I don't remember who it was, but they're like, what What would you do to like improve things? And she's like, well, you guys need to put us... She's telling the ABC interviewer, you guys need to put us on TV more. Like, You're on broadcast TV in a nationally televised like doubleheader. You guys mm-hmm. are getting pretty reasonable exposure right now and that was like all all the commercials were about like how um like women women athletes need to be treated better and stuff so it it was like kind of wild to take all of that in at a time where again they're airing across the country in 100 million homes it kind of reminds me of my 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 dear grandmother may may god rest her soul uh, lovely woman, but whenever I would call her, I would usually get some variation. You never call. You never call. <laughs> just, this makes me not want to call. <laughs> like that's it's that kind of dynamic, right? Yes. Where it's not exactly the uh, the time or the place for that particular conversation. Um, uh, anywho, ed, ed, anyway, okay. Those are some good WNBA takes. Good uh, good WNBA takes to close out on. Ryan, you got something to plug. You know, what do you, what do you got? I'm going on vacation next week. I've had so many obstacles this week. Like my wife's car broke down. I had to spot buy a new used car yesterday. Like then kid date. I I have one more complaint. The threshold (laughs) for daycare, sending kids home from sick. I love, I love my daycare. They do a great job, but the threshold for sending kids home sick from school now is way lower than it was when we were a kid. Like somehow the threshold for a fever went from a hundred 
to mm. 99 between my childhood and my kids, and it's disruptive. Yeah, it's practically homeschool by accident nowadays. Um, anyway. Anywho. Nothing to plug. I just wanted to get that great. Plug in Ryan's vacation. Everybody check out Ryan's vacation. Uh, <laughs> take photos of him if you see him. Uh, you know, try to try to make him feel good as he takes his break. Uh, and I will have maybe a free post coming up on the old Substack. Ooh. Well, I, I, I've got some thoughts about work from home. That, that's, that's, I'm throwing it out there because the, the Substack can be whatever I want it to be. You know, you throw a curveball every now and then. But if you, if you aren't going to uh, be into that free post, there's, of well, course. Well, Mal- Malcolm Gladwell, who doesn't work in an office, also. He is, he, he is indeed the precipitating, uh, outrage factory on, on this one um but if you don't want that there is Woj and espn burying a story again that one is paywalled that one is crushing it it did a very nice number for me but more importantly it entertained you good people everybody stay safe out there until next time good job by you. <laughs> good job by you <laughs>